Hey, welcome to a series called 15. This is week three of it. Really, it's week four because it's an extension and a continuation of things that I've been teaching since Easter Sunday. And uh, what it is is it's a complete reorientation about our salvation, about what it means to be in Christ, about what the hope of the resurrection really means, that it's not just this idea that one day we will float away in disembodied souls into this kind of mysterious heavenly realm that's kind of non-material, but we will go into a material new heaven, new earth scenario, and that the resurrection is our direction. And that if we follow Christ, then we're gonna be resurrected in Christ on a new heaven, new earth scenario. And it is a lot to take in. If you grew up in the church, this is a lot. This is like, uh, it's reshaping your paradigm of what hope is like, what joy comes from, and it reshapes your thinking around heaven. It reshapes your thinking around maybe what you thought about hell. And it, it's, it can be difficult. Um, but I just want to encourage you that what I'm teaching in this series is not straying away from any truth that you learned in the past. It is just simply reorienting. Or maybe it's kind of uh, just helping you clarify or kind of moving around some parts and giving us some, some more insight into what the scriptures have to say about what it means to be followers of Christ and what it means to follow in the way of Christ. But for, Christ, for Christians, this type of a message can be very challenging. I know that. I've had conversations with many of you as you've, you've heard me talking about this and you're going, well, what about this and what about that? And for some, it could be one, one of those messages that makes you feel like I'm not staying faithful to the truth of the Bible because of some of the things you've been taught in the past. It's different than that. So you think, oh, no, is he leading me astray? I am not leading you astray. I promise I'm not leading you astray. I'm not reorienting the whole message of salvation and, uh, and what it means to, to have a, a resurrected king in a sense that we're taking you from one track to the other. We're, we're merging ideas together, we're clarifying, and we're giving us what I believe the scriptures reveal as the genuine hope. And so um, a lot of people know me, uh, know that I love to do CrossFit. I, I've been doing it for years now, since 2013. I want to give you an illustration of what this, this series is really supposed to do as opposed to what you might think it'd be doing, think it's doing. Um, one of the most difficult things about doing CrossFit, because it, it involves a lot of Olympic movements, there's a, there's a lift that they do. There's probably, arguably, the most difficult movement, and it's called um, a squat snatch. And it's where you lift a lot of weight all the way over your head, and you can only get the bar so high that you actually have to move the weight up and drop your body simultaneously underneath it because you're not gonna be able to get it that high, and you have to get the weight all the way over your head. So you see in the Olympics those guys that are you know, lifting like that. Okay, well, for the longest time, I couldn't do very much weight because uh, I didn't have what I thought was enough flexibility in my shoulders. So I would kind of move my, my hands all the way out to the edge of the bar and put the bar way behind my head in order to get any, any actual weight on the bar and to hold it over my head upright so that I don't tip forward. Well, I spent some time with a trainer learning that 
shoulders was not my problem, that I actually have good shoulder mobility, but that I have poor thoracic mobility, that my chest cavity and my back cavity is tight, it's constricted, and that if I'm gonna ever be able to stay upright when I squat, instead of moving forward like this, I have to stretch out my chest. And so my, my trainer, Johnny, he gave me this stretch to do, and I, I'm gonna do it. Come here, Bryce, we're gonna do it. And honestly, we, I do this before, this one of four things that I have to do before I can do any type of overhead mobility or anything. And the, the reason that I want you to see this stretch, the camera, come on up here. You're gonna, you're gonna get look right down on me. Um, the reason that I want you to see this is because when I do this, it is painful. It is like I literally, I, I say some words I shouldn't say. I can barely breathe, but it is the only way for me to get in the right position. So I, I got, come on up here, man. Come, come here. Get right down on it, okay? So it's this weird thing. I have to grab my back foot, pull under here, hold this knee down, and then he pushes that knee up and down and then pushes my back shoulder. Come here, Josh. Come here. You see it? Oh, yeah. Push it. Oh, yeah, that's really painful. Oh, see, I can barely breathe. Oh, do it again. again? Oh, yeah. Mm. He's turning so red. Okay, that's good. That's good. You got to help me out now. I'm not ready for this. Oh, it is so painful. It is so painful to be stretched out that way. And that's what this series is. This series is just a stretch. It's just gonna put you and reorient you. It's not breaking bones. It's stretching out your faith in a way that maybe isn't comfortable, but will get you where you need to go in the long run. Can I get a, hey, that was decent. All right. So if you're here today and you're just jumping in, 514 Church is like and designed like a zero entry pool. All right, we want everyone to be able to wade into one inch, two inches, three inches. There is a deep end because you cannot follow Christ and not somehow attain a measure of depth in your faith. Your whole life is gonna be transformed. But we want everyone to be able to get in the pool. So for some people, this is all new and I'm trying to do everything I can to bring you in at a level that you're comfortable with. But for some of us, this has taken us into a place that's scary, it's deep waters, and we need to learn how to tread water better. Our faith needs to grow. And uh, everyone's in here together. 514 Church from the very beginning has been on a mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Christ. So some people aren't in one, which means we gotta start where they are and lead them into one. And then everyone needs to grow. And so hopefully as you hear this today, you're introduced maybe for the first time to the most important message you could ever hear. And for some of you, it is a reorientation or stretching, if you will, of a message that you grew up with that I believe will give you a level of uh, faith mobility that you've never experienced before in your life. Heaven and earth, this is what we're talking about. At the Easter message, I gave us a picture of how the whole plan for, the, for heaven and earth was that it one day would come back together, that it was designed originally together, that death and sin separated it, and that God has been on a move, if you will, God, to move back to earth and that the presence of Jesus on earth was heaven and earth coming back together, and that he gives us the Holy Spirit, the power of the resurrection. This is what we sang today. The same power that rolled the stone away 
It's the same power alive in us today. And this crossing over of heaven and earth is where we are now. And that means for those of us in Christ, the kingdom has started now. The resurrection is powerful because it's the first of many to come. We have the spirit of the living God in us who abides in us and gives us power. And it's the same power that will raise us one day bodily from the dead. And so we have this power now. And we're supposed to be engaging in the resurrection power of God now. That's what this is all about. So the whole story of the Bible is about the reunification of heaven and earth. It is about God and people coming back together. It's about a father getting back with his family, with his children. It's about people being reunited. It's about divorces being shattered and put back together the way that they were supposed to be. And we talked about in this uh, 15 series about how so many of us have these ideas about what life, death, and the future looks like and that we need a reorientation. And many of us have believed, and this is where that stretching really starts to set in, we've believed that God's plan for salvation is to kind of throw away the earth, throw away our bodies, and then our souls, or our spirits, our disembodied souls, are supposed to one day end up in this heaven place and that that's the ultimate trajectory. And what that does is it silences a piece of the scripture that is so loud it's hard to overcome because the scriptures outline that our problem is not that one day our disembodied souls will end up somewhere. The scripture's so loud that the main problem in the scriptures is death, physical death, bodily death. And so the whole purpose of the resurrection is to solve the greatest challenge, the greatest result of sin. The wages of sin is death. In this day you eat the tree, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die, bodily die, be separated from God and physically die. And God was on a journey ever since then and he, he started the salvation process and gave us the true hope of victory in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. So death has been defeated in Christ and those of us that are in Christ will follow in that wake. We will defeat physical death. So we talked about how the problem is not where you go when you die, but whether or not you bodily resurrect after you die. That's the hope. And so what that does is it brings us to this question of well, what happens when you die. And we talked about that last week. We talked about how peaceful the Bible says we'll be and we'll be in paradise and that it's temporary and that, that we're with Jesus and it's all good and it's totally safe and wonderful. And then one day, like you read today, all those in Christ will bodily resurrect and there will be a moment where God kind of reformats the kingdom. And so resurrection is the solution. We talked about salvation plans and the plan of salvation and what the gospel looks like. And I gave you this diagram last week as a more uh, clarifying trajectory for humans as we relate to what Jesus has done in our lives. People are born in bodies, they live a life. At some point, they accept Jesus and they start to follow Jesus. They believe in Jesus, they place their faith in Jesus. It actually moves and changes the steps they take, the words they say, the decisions that they make. We follow Jesus, WWJD, we do what Jesus did. He's our rabbi, he's our teacher, he's our model, and he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit to 
transform into his likeness because ultimately that's where we're all headed anyway. So the heaven and earth man gives us a little bit of heaven now so that we can start to transform from the inside out and then one day he's gonna complete that process in the resurrection. And so there are people then who reject Jesus and they don't have a relationship with Jesus. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about that today. But for those of us in Christ, there's an actual death and there's a pause and there's a rest and there's a, there's a period of, of paradise and with Jesus. And uh, this is all good. It's nothing to be afraid of. And the real hope is in the resurrection. It's in the resurrection. Your body raises from the dead. Heaven and earth come back together. And the kingdom of God is back on earth with earth in a whole renewed scenario. And so we're talking about salvation. Salvation. Everybody say salvation. What are we talking about when we're talking about salvation? What is your disposition towards salvation? You know, for some of us, we don't understand that we need saved. For all of us, it's very obvious that the world functions and is broken down in so many ways from an individual level, from a systemic level, to a political level, to the way that the earth even functions and, and groans and, 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 and is struggling um, in different various ways. We know there's a problem. We know that something needs to be fixed. We see it in the way that people treat each other. We see it in the way that the systems are broke down. We see it in the way that people kill one another from mass genocide to killing one another at home. I mean, we see it. We know there's a problem. And so what Jesus, the whole story and message of Jesus exists to be, actually, I know that's a problem and I'm gonna fix that problem and I'm gonna put heaven and earth back together the way it should be. So you might identify the world as having great problems and we can all agree upon that. And you then have to go to what is the answer to that? And the person of Jesus is the answer to that. This scenario coming back together is the answer to that. Sin and death is why we have all those problems. The heaven and earth man, Jesus, brought heaven to earth. That was his prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His whole prayer is that heaven would come back to earth and sin and death and systems of injustice and individual sin, immorality, lack of uh, ethical integrity, all of it that would all be fixed and put right. That's what God is up to. So if you're interested in that, you should look at the person of Jesus because who he is claims to be the solution to that. For those of us that are in Christ that are starting to embody what it means to have heaven and earth in us and through us, we're starting to experience and we're seeing these bits and flashes of purple and heaven coming to earth the way that God designed it to. So we're talking about salvation. So when we talk about salvation, the first thing we need to understand is as we talked about a bodily resurrection is your direction, that we are saved as wholes, not just souls. We're saved as wholes. When God made heaven and earth and then he made man in his image, it was after he took dirt and animated the image with the spirit that he said his image, his creation was very good. So he intends to get his very good creation back the way that he originally designed it which means he's not gonna take the dirt part of you and leave it. He's going to restore the dirt part of you, the death part of you, the sin part of you, that part that is matched with soul and flesh. He's going to 
get rid of all the problems that that has and bring us back into that initial state. So it's important that you understand the full circle, the full trajectory of God's plan for us. Made in the image of God as wholes, spirit beings with breath and life in us, souls, but wholes. And then death hurts the whole and bodily resurrection helps the whole, all of us. The whole part of you is gonna be saved. The whole thing. And so uh, what that makes us ask and which is important is the question of hell. And I mentioned it. So what, what happens to the people who don't believe in Jesus? What happens to the people who reject Jesus? Now one of the reasons that I'm not very loud about hell is because I learned something in seminary that I think is critical for you as you walk through life and you exercise your faith. One thing I learned is that as a person reading the scriptures and as a person telling the story and sharing the narrative, we have to make sure we keep the main thing the main thing. You know, you, you hear these things in seminary. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And what one of my professors said is, where the Bible is silent, be quiet. Where the Bible says a little, say little. And where the Bible says a lot, explicit and implicitly, say a lot. And so the story of salvation and the kingdom of God and the resurrection of, of, of earthly bodies and the reuni reunification of heaven and earth, this is the major theme of scripture. All of the New Testament is, is Paul writing about how what he has is a crucified Jesus who rose from the dead. All of the early apostles who walked with Jesus went out to all of the major cities and they shared the gospel message of the kingdom of God. They told the story of Israel. They told the story of Jesus. They connected Noah and Moses to the person of Jesus. And they said, and then he was crucified, and then he rose from the dead. And the message of gospel hope in the first century with the book of Acts was Caesar's not the king. Jesus is because he rose from the dead. That was the message, so follow Jesus. And in following Jesus, there's a great mysterious concoction of faith and beauty that we get to walk through. And that means that, hey, if he rose from the dead, one day we'll raise from the dead, and we don't know how it's all gonna be sorted out, but if he rose from the dead, he's the king, and we wanna follow him. And so, listen, the, the gospel announcers don't walk around with a message that so many of us growing up as it relates to hell. A lot of people learned about hell with, that was the starting line, it's the opening line. If you don't meet Jesus, you're gonna die and burn in hell forever. Now here's the deal. I've told you what the Bible says about hell. Jesus said it was like a literal place. Gehenna, not Gehenna, right? He talks about it like it's a literal place. So I don't like to talk about it a whole lot. Here's what I know about hell. It's outside the kingdom of God. It's a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's a place literally in the Old Testament where ancient um, people groups would sacrifice babies. It's an awful, horrific place that no human is ever supposed to be in. It is the worst possible thing that could ever happen to an image of God. <laughs> I don't know what it's all gonna be like, but you're, it's not good. 
And the gospel is that good news to move away. Here's one way to think about it. Just go with me here, we're stretching. We're stretching. If heaven and earth is coming together now, and this is the overlap of heaven and earth, what do we have here? We have heaven on earth. What do we have here? No heaven on earth. Jesus talks about Gehenna, he's talking about no heaven on earth. No heaven on earth. This is, this is crazy. Go read this for yourself if you want to challenge, challenge it or if it freaks you out. John chapter 5 says that everyone will raise from the dead. Those in Christ and those not. So you go, Wait a minute. I thought only those in, in Christ would raise from the dead. Actually, what's going to happen is there's going to be a resurrection. And then there's going to be the people that end up in the kingdom of God and the people that don't. That's what we know. And if you think about life without God's ways now and how bad it is, it's probably just gonna be a continuation of life without God now. Where you get sick and you hurt one another and you're filled with bitterness and anger and, and hate and it's, it's the worst of human conditions. Oh, I could preach a whole message about the empty space and kind of the, the ambiguity that the Bible gives around living life without the kingdom of God. And it would be enough to probably scare some of us into heaven. But that's not the way God told us to share the message. We should be able to look around and go, I don't want hell. Heaven, heaven or earth right now without heaven bad enough. The future, don't go there, man. Look what Jesus did for you. He's bringing it back together. He's fixing it. He's making the wrongs right. You may not even like him and he likes you. He's given you something great and you don't even know how great he is. You have problems. You do. I promise. I will show them to you. Come up and talk to me. I'll tell you what's wrong with you. I'm joking. My heart is to never tell you what's wrong with you, but understand what's right with you in God's original design. We're saved as wholes, not just souls. Be loud where the Bible's loud. 5-4 teachers should be loud about heaven. We should be loud about God's hope, God's promises. We should be loud about the love of God. We should carry in our disposition towards life the burden and the weight of hell. That we don't want anyone to go there. That it's the worst thing that could happen to that beautiful image-bearing creation. That's all I have to say about it. Number two, salvation is about what God does through us, not just in and to us. Salvation is not just about what happens to us. You see, uh, diagram A, this idea that when we die, we end up here or there, is really just about what happens to me after I die. But what about this scenario makes it just about you? And what about this scenario makes it just about then? 
You see, what salvation is is that it's a reconfiguration of you now into forever so that you can be a part of bringing the kingdom of God back to earth. So God's just try, not just trying to save you. He's trying to save the world with you. That doesn't mean that God is the only one. Listen very carefully. God is the only one who can do this. He's the only one that can actually make the giant move of heaven and earth, the radical change, the the reinvention, the renewal, the redemption of heaven and earth. He's the only one that can do that. But here's the part of God's original plan. He designed you and me to be a part of an extension of his beauty in the world. So when we get saved, we're not just getting saved from uh, an eternal separation from God. We're getting saved to be back on track and renewing earth and bringing the goodness of God to earth now. Salvation is not just what happens to us, it's what happens through us. So then the heaven people move around on this earth and they bring life and goodness and beauty and restoration and joy to the world. People believing in the kind of uh, the, the diagram I talked about last week where it's just about where your soul goes when you die is like a little boy giving a baseball bat and just staying in his room swinging it all by himself. You were designed to go out and use the baseball bat and play in a community and make it all come together in unity. That's what you're designed for. So salvation, John McCambridge did a message years ago where he talked about salvation And he said this phrase, there's purpose in your creation, so there's purpose in your salvation. There's purpose. God has a purpose. He designed you to be a priest, to be an oracle, to be someone who extends God's handiwork into creation. When death entered the world, you lost that vocation. Jesus' visitation restarted your vocation now. Sorry about all the Asians. It's the subject matter, not me. There's purpose in it. You miss that, you miss out. Think about it, sit around. What do we do? With the idea that it's all about then and there and God's just gonna take this thing and roll it off a cliff someday or put it in a trash can, what what are we doing? When we embrace that theology, it means that here doesn't matter. It means we don't need to make systems of injustice right. It means we don't need to feed the poor. It means we don't need to share the gospel. It means we don't need to have health. It means we don't need to help children because it's all gonna just go in a wastebasket. But if God's design in salvation is not just you, but what he does through you, now you're on track again to bring God's original design back into fruition. What does that mean? That means today is exciting. That means that Growth can happen now. Change can happen now. Oh, don't worry, we're going there because the third thing about salvation is now matters, not just later. You see, one man resurrected in the middle of time means the kingdom is happening in two phases. Phase one with the resurrection of Jesus and phase two with the resurrection and the reuniting of heaven and earth. So if this is where we're headed, and we have pieces of this now, what does that mean? It means that this is somehow connected to this. It means that the resurrection is your connection between now and forever. If one day you will be resurrected, 
then you matter now. And you have work to do now. Phase one, Jesus resurrects. Phase two, so do you. In the meantime, you have the beginnings, the first fruits, the down payment, the extension, the body of Christ, the work to do now that one day God will bring into the future. Now, you need to think about this. Jesus' scars, he's bodily resurrected, but his scars are still on his hands. His scars are there. He shows them to doubting Thomas to show him who he is. It's an interesting idea. He's resurrected. He comes back here. He brings the future into the present. He says, Thomas, look at my hands. He's showing you what the trajectory looks like. When did Jesus die on the cross? Before the resurrection. What is Jesus' greatest work in all of history? Dying on a cross, becoming a servant of many so that none would perish. The greatest work of God, the signs of the greatest work of God, the marks of the work of God, and the manifestation of the work of God that happened here is living and breathing and alive here, continuing to grow. So what he did here is here. You know what that means? What you do here will be brought into here. What we do in the name of Jesus gets brought into the future. You read 1 Corinthians 15. He says, therefore, because of the resurrection, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work in the Lord is not in vain. What does that mean? It means that the resurrection is the connection between now and forever. It means that what you do now and build in the name of Jesus now isn't gonna go away. That maybe just like your body will be resurrected, so will those works. So will those good things. What are we talking about? <laughs> Listen to this. This is N.T. Wright. If you ever wanna learn a lot more about this, go read Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright. He said this, you are not oiling the wheels of a machine that's about to roll over off a cliff. You are not restoring a great painting that's shortly going to be thrown into the fire. You are not planting roses in a garden that's about to be dug up for a building site. You are, strange as it may seem, almost as hard to believe as the resurre resurrection itself, accomplishing something that will become in due course part of God's new world. Every act of love, gratitude, and kindness, every work of art or music inspired by the love of God and delight in the beauty of his creation, every minute spent teaching a severely handicapped child to read or to walk, every act of care and nurture of comfort and support for one's fellow human beings and for that matter, one's fellow non-human creatures and of course, every prayer, all spirit-led teaching, every deed that spreads the gospel, builds up the church, embraces and embodies holiness rather than corruption, and makes the name of Jesus honored in the world, all of this will find its way through the resurrecting power of God into the new creation that God will one day put together. Let that sit, let it sit. Everything we do, what is God building now? What's he building? An eternal kingdom. He's not gonna take the footers that you set and throw them out, he's gonna build on them. He's not gonna take the work that you do now and just throw it off a cliff. 
Some way, somehow, everything we do in the name of Jesus is going to be brought into the new heaven and new earth scenario. He gave us the spirit now. He gave us the church now. What we do now is part of an eternal kingdom that lasts now into forever. Oh, it makes now matter. This is why I called Easter now. One way to think of it is like this. All of us are building a building. Let's say we're building this building, this literal building. Some of you had to build the walls. Some of you had to do the sound. Some of you had to do the floors. Some of you had to do the paintings on the wall. Some of you had to build the kitchen. Some of you had to do the electrical. You're all doing different parts. You're all working on that. And you may not understand the master plan. You don't understand how it all works together. You have your assignment and you're doing it. You're making those walls. You're making that floor. You're doing whatever it is you were called to do. That's now. One day God will take everything you do and everything they do and everything we do in the kingdom of God and put it all together and we will see his masterful handiwork through the church. Oh, doesn't that make you wanna do something different with your life? You understand how important bodily resurrection is? Knowing that you matter because what you do now matters. It matters. A glimpse to close. A glimpse of the future. A glimpse of of heaven. Two ideas. The first one is that there's gonna be work to do in heaven all those that love to labor and work, all those, uh, you know, women who started their own businesses. You're gonna be able to keep doing that. You get to keep working. Those men who love their job and love to toil and love to use ingenuity and thought to, to bring life and goodness into the world. In God's new creation, there's gonna be work to be done. You might think, well, what's the purpose? Aren't we just gonna float around? No, 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 no. In the future, we're going to be continuations of God's creative prowess. We're going to have a job to do, and we're going to love doing it. It's going to be enjoyable. Listen to this. Why will we be given new bodies? According to the early Christians, the purpose of this new body will be to rule wisely over God's new world. Forget those images about lounging around playing harps. There will be work to do, and we shall relish doing it. All the skills and talents we have put to God's service in this present life, and perhaps, too, the interests and likings we gave up because they conflicted with our vocation will be enhanced and ennobled and given back to us to be exercised in glory. This is perhaps the most mysterious and least explored aspect of the resurrection life, but there are several promises in the New Testament about God's people reigning, and these cannot just be empty words. If... As we have already seen, the biblical view of God's future is the renewal of the entire cosmos. There will be plenty to be done, entire new projects to undertake. In terms of the vision of the original creation in Genesis 1 and 2, the garden will need to be tended once more and the animals renamed. Surprise. Isn't this better? It's better. It's better. You love, you want saved because of what you love about life. What God made you love about life, he intends to keep. He intends to enhance death and sin, gone. Life and goodness forever. That's the Jesus message. 
That's the message of Jesus. The destruction of death, the victory of God through us. You, you grew up a glimpse, work to be done, and rewards. You grew up, and maybe your motivation was those rewards. We talk about in First and Second Corinthians and sitting and getting jewels and getting rewards for faithful work. I believe that the scripture has a different view of that and that we should think of it differently in light of the resurrection. Because if the resurrection is the beginning of our life into the future, then there are pieces of now that I believe manifest in the future and that we build on what we do and that some of the fruit of what we do now is the reward for then. It is the reward. Think about it this way. The new body will be a gift of God's grace and love. However, there are several passages in the New Testament, not least in the words of Jesus himself, that speak of God's future blessing in terms of reward. Many Christians find this uncomfortable. We have been taught that we are justified by faith, not works, and somehow the very idea of being a Christian for what we will get out of it is distasteful. But the image of reward in the New Testament doesn't work like that. It isn't a matter of calculation, of doing a difficult job in order to be paid a, way, a wage. Listen, it is much more like working at a friendship or a marriage in order to enjoy the other person's company more fully. It is more like practicing golf in order that we can go out on the course and hit the ball in the right direction. It is more like learning German or Greek so that we can read some of the great poets and philosophers who wrote in those languages. The reward is organically connected to the activity, not some kind of arbitrary pat on the back, otherwise unrelated to the work that was done. And it is always far in abundance beyond any sense of direction or equivalent payment. The reward of being able to read and enjoy Homer for the rest of your life is way beyond any kind of one-off payment for the slog of learning Greek. You are learning the language of heaven. You're engaging with your father now. You're doing things now that will continue to build into the future. The resurrection is the connection. That's gonna be you. He's gonna resurrect you. He's gonna resurrect relationships. He's gonna resurrect your work. He's gonna resurrect all the things in your life that you built up in the name of Jesus, your family, all the things that matter to you. He's going to give those to you and whatever work you did here, you'll extend it and grow on it in the future. So what does this mean? Start building. Dig a well. Give your money to people who are in need. Help the poor. Share the gospel. Teach a child. Minister to those in need. Build the kingdom now because it's part of eternity. Do it. Our relationships, our work, our time, our stewardship, our worship, it all matters now. Worship the king now. If you have not ever been baptized because you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, get baptized. Baptism is an outward sign of what's going on in you. You accept Jesus, you believe in his death, burial, and resurrection, and you believe that you will follow in that direction because of your faith in him, that he's delivered you from death. If you wanna get baptized, go on this QR code, 
sign up for baptism. We wanna do baptisms all the time. If you're hearing this message and you wanna follow Jesus, you wanna make him king, and you wanna enjoy the fruit of following Christ, get baptized. Build into your future. We will all meet God there. We will all meet each other there. It's better. It's surprising. It's a living hope. Jesus is our living hope. It's a genuine human hope. 